Fast topics. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of the theme of the episode. Just death. Uh, nah. Fucking history class again. That's what? it. It's history all over again. We're, we're we're legit doing a history class. That's true, huh? <laughs> yeah. A few dark times of history. Like little few dark spots that happened throughout history. The X-rated moments that your history teachers did not talk to you about. Oh, things you wish you learned in history class. Did you really want to wish you learned this in history class? Low-key, I, I would. The, the most interesting thing that I learned in history class was Stalin's regime. There's fucked up human beings out there. This is shit I'm in for. Or should we just play it on like, oh, welcome to our, like, welcome to a dark history class where we're going to oh, be teaching all you. all right, all right. Like a few moments. All right, all right. Spots. Okay. All right, yeah. All right. Yeah. I like it. He's talking and I'm not and I'm just. <sighs> <laughs> and then I'm talking. <laughs> no, but wait, wait. I have something for him. Boom. Shut down. Now you're just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. Concentrating on the loop. Shit's looking good. Wow. <laughs> FYI, there's nothing wrong. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. I am your host, Moses Sorry, and with me as always to my left is Achi. Yo, yo. And with me to my right is my brother, Josh. Uh, yo, So today, welcome to a dark History class. You know what? Class is in session, motherfucker. And today's episode is uh, we're going to be talking about things that they did not teach you during your history class that would have made history class a lot more or a lot less boring. Especially in high school. Yeah, yeah. especially in high school. Because Josh was telling me that in college they start like opening up, and it's true. Like they start bringing out all the good, bad, and the ugly parts about history. They start teaching you the real shit. Yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, so that was a that was part of it. Now, here's the rest of it. I'm just sticking to children because we're sticking with, with last what? week's theme. Fuck them kids. Oh, okay. There you yeah, go. That's what I was waiting there for. There you go. Fuck them kids, huh? Damn. So, before I start on my segment, was there anything that you remember in high school history class that you're just like, damn, this <laughs> fucking dope or this fucking interesting? Did you ever... Did you ever attend history class? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I did, but it was that teacher that fucking hated me, Mr. Oh, okay. Okay, so, yeah, you remember shit from that class. You would huh? walk in, so Mr. you'd walk into his class. Damn, and you, you burn him like that? Fuck you him. Yeah, get him. Uh, cool, 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 cool. You get him. So you'd walk in, and it was an AP honors class, and you'd walk in, and you'd, there'd be three whiteboards left. Well, there'd be two, four, six whiteboards, two to the left, two in front of you, and two to the right. And he start and he started his class on the left, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And everything will be filled up. And as he's talking about it, he's erasing it. So you have to pay attention to what he's talking about, or else you're not going to get written, or else you're not going to write down your notes. And then that's what his test is going to be on on Friday. Yeah, about everything that Monday through Thursday. Oh my god! And he would do this every day, every day, bro. He has, how that's how funny. How many class periods did you have that time? Six. He had to do this shit six, six times. times. No, I think he only did it twice. I think he only had AP honors. Well, I mean, I don't know if he did it for the other classes. Right. But for AP honors, which is first and second period, yeah. that's what he did. But I'm pretty, still twice? I'm pretty sure the format was the same, just like the content is different. But, bro, he I would have so <laughs> fucking late. You know what? Here's a PowerPoint. Welcome. Man. I hate doing that shit. You, Josh? What? Is there anything 
Do you remember it in history class? Uh, from high school? No, yeah, from high school. I, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. So, in my segment, this is kind of what inspired me. One of the only things I remember in fucking history class. Because fuck history class. I love history, but my teachers were not. They weren't it. They weren't it. They weren't. They weren't. Until one time in, in high school, I had this teacher. I forgot his fucking name. Um, but we're talking about dictators. And one of the dictators that, we're, that we were focusing on was Stalin and Russia. And I just thought that it was so fucking interesting that there's a piece of shit of a human that went so far as to literally rewriting history just to make himself look like the hero. Yeah. And there's a bunch of assholes like that everywhere. And all dictators are in some shape or more, way or form like that. So the first one I want to talk about was uh, known as the Butcher of Uganda, which is a title that you definitely want to get. And it is about the brutal dictator of Idi Amin. Do you think as a dictator, <clears throat> you give yourself the gnarliest nicknames? Or do you think it's your, your, it's earned? No, no. I think you give yourself... Yeah, because the dictator, you you see yourself as the good guy, right? Yeah. 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 So you're not going to you, give yourself right. that nickname. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. What so, would be yours? Or to, uh, I have to think about what I'm dictating over. Okay. Okay. So give me. So by the end of the think episode, I'll think of something. Food for thought. All right. Okay. Damn. Will Moses be a good dictator? Hell, I love bossing people around and not doing shit. <laughs> and expecting more of others of myself. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Uh, hard carry dude you know, there you go <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Idi Amin born 1923 died in 2003 was known for his brutal despotic rule as a president of Uganda in the 1970s and is perhaps the most notorious of Africa's post-independence dictators I mean seized power in the military coup 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 right coup in 1971, and ruled over Uganda for eight years, and imprisoned or killed at least a hundred thousand of his opponents. <coughs> he was ousted in 1979 by Uganda's nationalists, after which he went into exile. So, the really the main way that this guy rose up to power to eventually becoming the president is that he was always influenced in some shape, way, or form. By military as uganda approached independence i mean's close colleague apollo milton abote the leader of uganda's people of congress was made chief minister and then prime minister and abote had Anwin, one of the only two high-ranking africans in the kar appointed by as first lieutenant of the ugandan army and he sent north the 12 cattle stealing Anwin perp- perpetuated such atrocities that the british government demanded he be prosecuted instead abote arranged for him to receive further military training in the uk so instead of trying to bring this this guy down they just kept on training him and training him training him so eventually he kind of rose the ranks as a militaristic ruler and now this name that i mentioned earlier apollo milton abote he was i think at one point like kind of the president and he kind of hired him as a second leading man, basically making sure that he's up there and anyone that is opposing him, he, he would bring in uh, Amin to kind of like fuck keep, him up. Yeah, just to keep as him. a goonie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Nice. But eventually, 
that <clears throat> kind of freaking backfired. Backfired real hard because Idi Amin began to strengthen his position within the army using funds obtained from smuggling and from supplying armies, uh, arms to rebels in, the, in southern Sudan. He also developed ties with British and Israeli agents in the country. And President Abati first responded by putting Amin under house arrest, which this failed to work. And Amin was sidelined to a non-executive position in the army. But on, 19, on January 25th of 1971, while Abati was attending a meeting in Singapore, Amin led a coup d'etat taking control of the country and declaring himself as president. And popular history recalls Amin declared the title to be, this is the self-proclamation that we're talking about, he wanted to be known as this, his Excellency President for Life, Field Marshal Al-Hadig Dr. Idi Amin, VC, DSO, MC, Lord of all the beasts of the earth and fishes of the sea, and conqueror of the British Empire in Africa in general and Uganda in particular. Dude, imagine... I'm pretty sure he he wants someone to introduce him like that every fucking time he'll go to uh, an event, right? Yeah. So people will call him President Amin. No, 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 no. You don't call me President Amin. No. This is how you call me. Go. Do it. Say, call, say, call me his, say. his Excellency President for Life, Field Marshal Al-Hadig, Dr. Idi Amin, VC, DSL, MC, Lord of all the beasts and the earth of the fishes in the sea, the conqueror of the British Empire in Africa in general and Uganda in particular. See, look, bang. I would have shot you. You said it too fast. <laughs> you they, say it. they didn't understand that. Well, I'll say it. Right? So the pressure. Say it with a Uganda accent. I can't say it with a Uganda accent. The fuck? Say it. What made you think I had that fucking shit under my sleeve or something? I just feel like you did. <laughs> no, I don't. I feel like you do. Like no, you I don't. One. I don't. Think he was gonna spit it out right now? <laughs> Fucking name. It's your hidden talent, bro. It's it's it's. <laughs> you got uh, an accent. Oh, damn. Bro, but, but yeah, the pressure. That's a, that's a huge. That's a huge title. What that's a fuck? dumb title. I don't even even, I even if you. Like, I don't even know what VC, DSO, and MCR. Those are all separate, three separate titles. I don't know what the fuck that is. They're fucking abbreviations. VC is virtual currency. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that's from NBA 2K. What's yeah, DSO? DSO? DSO, yeah. that's probably like a tagging crew somewhere. So he's catching <laughs> spots. And MC. Motorcycle club, bro. He's part of a motorcycle club. <laughs> motorcycle club. You, you, Sounds like an interesting guy. But you Very know what? interesting. Oh. I think I read somewhere that... that um, that Amin was full of shit. Besides that, a dick. He was a professional boxer and h- held the the lightweight weight. This food? Yeah, yeah, like featherweight or lightweight title for like eight years. Yeah. So he knew. So he knew how to throw hands. He knew how to throw hands, bro. Imagine someone. Who, imagine he knew how to throw hands, but instead, but instead he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna fuck you up with the military. <laughs> Let me just have someone else. Yeah, I'll just you. have the military. I have the military at the palm of my hands. Imagine if you do try to fucking murder him. You go through, you know, you try to assassinate him. And then you fucking find out he's Muhammad Ali and fucking Mike Tyson. And she starts fucking wrecking you. Yeah. Fuck this guy. But anyway, so once he became into power, he wanted to make sure, just like how his his ex-president homie withheld power. He wanted to make sure that all of his opposition was cleared and swiped clean. So that way, the only people who are there in the country are people who support him. Or friendlies. You know. He wants no op. Yeah. No opposition. At all. friendlies. At all. And so, but, um, so the, the dude who, who he 
kind of freaking cleaned out his homie. Abate took refuge in Tanzania from where in 1972 he attempted unsuccessfully to regain the country through himself doing a military coup. And Abate supporters within Ugandan army, predominantly from uh, Akoli and Lango ethnic groups, were also involved in the coup. Amin responded by bombing Tanzanian towns and purging the army of Akali and Lango officers. This ethnic violence grew to include the whole of the, include the whole of the army and the Ugandan civilians as Amin became increasingly paranoid. And the now mansions, hotels, and Kampla became infamous as Amin's interrogation and torture center. And Amin is said to have moved residency regularly to avoid assassination attempts. And his killer squads, under the official title of State Research Bureau, and also the Public Safety Unit, <laughs> were responsible for tens of thousands of abductions and murders. And Amin personally ordered the execution of the Angelican Archbishop of Uganda, the Chancellor of uh, Mercury College, the Governor of the Bank of Uganda, and several of his own uh, preliminary ministers. So under his leadership, Amin was considered by many as this gregarious, charismatic leader, and he was often portrayed by the international press as a popular figure. In 1975, he was elected the chair of the Organization of African Unity and uh, the United Nations con condemnation was blocked by the African head of state. Now, there is a lot, even though he, he was, I guess, apparently liked by a lot of the people of Uganda, um, they started to have speculations and claims about him that made him very unpopular. And then this kind of brought out internationally, and that kind of fucking ruined him, his his, uh, his whole coop. His whole coop. And so there's a popular legend that claimed that Amin was involved in blood rituals and cannibalism. More authorities sources suggest that he may have suffered from hypomania, which is a form of maniac depression that characterized by irrational behavior and emotional outbursts. As his paranoia became more pronounced, Amin imported troops from Sudan and Zaire, and eventually, less than 25 of, the, of his own army was from Uganda. And supporters of his regime faltered as accounts of uh, Amin's atrocities reached the international press. And, the, uh, and then after that, the Ugandan economy suffered with an inflation eclipsing a thousand percent. So not only did people start hating this dude, but he just started fucking up his own country. Sounds about right. Yeah. And in October of 1978, with the assistance of Libyan troops, Amin attempted to annex uh, Kagera and the northern province of Tanzania, which shares borders with Uganda. Tanzania President Julius Nair responded by sending troops into Uganda. With the aid of the rebel, rebel Ugandan forces, were able to capture the Ugandan capital of Kampala. Amin then fled to Libya, where he stayed for almost 10 years before finally re relocated to Saudi Arabia, where he remained in exile for the remainder of his life. So finally, people were like, fuck this guy. We don't like him anymore. I like, how they, I like how they didn't kill him. They just fired him. Yeah, they just literally just, they just took over and then... Yeah. But I think what's by far the worst, even by far worse than Hitler's regime, worse than Stalin's regime, it's China. China? China, dude. 
Worse than Hitler? Worse than Hitler, bro. Holy shit. Worse. Whoa, all right. And it, hold on. That's a bold statement. <laughs> yeah. Bold. Yeah. Worse than Hitler? Worse than Hitler. Especially because this guy, like, Hitler was, he was straight up. He told you how it was, and he will fuck up anyone who says otherwise. In China, it was a bunch of false promises that eventually led to millions upon millions there's an estimate that historians have seen between 30 to 45 million chinese civilians that died due to this motherfucker all right all right break it down break it down all right i'm listening yeah so this is up for debate if you know you know but this is due to what was dictator communist dictator by the name of mao zedong mao zedong had this plan to save China, to improve China's economy through what he called the Great Leap Forward. And the Great Leap Forward was a five-year plan of forced agricultural collectivization and rural industrialization that was instituted by the Chinese Communist Party in 1958, which resulted in a sharp contraction in the Chinese economy and between 30 to 45 millions of deaths due to starvation, execution, torture, forced labor, and suicide just out of mere desperation. It was the largest single non-wartime campaign of mass killing in human history. And so, like I mentioned, it was led by Mao Zedong, who was also known as Mao Zedong and Chair Mao. And Mao's official goal was to rapidly evolve China from a Aurangian economy into a more modern industrial society with a greater ability to compete with the Western industrialized nations. So let's talk about what this Great Leap Forward is. So in 1958, Mao announced his plan for the Great Leap Forward, which laid out as a five-year plan to improve economic prosperity in the People's Republic of China. He devised a plan after touring China concluded that he felt that Chinese people were capable of anything. Overall, the plan centered around two primary goals, collectivizing agriculture and widespread industrialization with two main targets, increasing grain and steel production. So in agriculture, private plot farming was abolished and rural farmers were forced to work under collective farms where all the production, the resource allocation, the food distribution was centrally controlled by the Communist Party. Exactly. So it wasn't just like, you know what? You follow the dream. You do you. Eventually, you'll get prosperous. It's like, no, no, no. We're going to have you work for us and anything that you win is going to come to us. So these large-scale irrigation projects with little input from trained engineers were initiated and experimental. Unproven new agricultural techniques were quickly introduced around the country. And these innovations resulted by declining crop yields from failed experiments and properly constructed water projects and a nationwide campaign to exterminate sparrows, which Mao believed, incorrectly, were a major pest to grain crops. So he's just like, fuck these birds. Literally. Fuck these Pow! You're fucked. Basically. And crane production fell sharply and hundreds of thousands died from forced labor and exposure to the elements, to the irrigation, construction projects, and communal farming. Famine quickly set 
across the countryside, resulting in millions more deaths. People resort to eating tree bark and dirt, and in some areas, cannibalism. Farmers who failed to meet grain quotas, tried to get more food, or attempted to escape were tortured and killed along with the family members via beating, public mutilation, being buried alive, scalding with boiled wa boiling water, and other methods. So instead of blaming the, the agriculturalists, right? The people in charge of yeah. setting out of this emotion. Like, hey, here's what we're going to do, and this is what's going to help. All their plans didn't work. And instead of blaming them, they're like, nah, it has to be the fucking farmers. The I, did, who, I didn't fuck up. You fucked up. Y'all didn't initiate, bro. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me almost exactly what Stalin did a few years, a few decades before. Yeah. When we covered the Cannibal Island mm -hmm. episode, how everyone's like, no, we're going to do forced labor. All the, all your farmers, she's going to go, you know, gonna come to us. We're mm -hmm. going to make Mother Russia great again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fucking dirt and tree bark. Huh? Yeah, bro. Fuck, that's rough. That's fucking rough. And since their, their their main goal was to get as much grain as possible, no grain was coming out. Yeah. So they just fucking ate the dirt of the grain. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, fuck it. If it's not, if it's not feeding the plants. It better feed me. And the next thing that they wanted to freaking cultivate was an industrialization through the making of steel. So large-scale state projects uh, to increase industrial production were introduced in urban areas, and backyard steel furnaces were built on farms and urban neighborhoods. Maybe not create steel or steel plants in the farms that you're trying to create. Anyways, I'm not a freaking agriculturalist, but wait. So and so they so they made the people that couldn't grow the grain make. No, they, the same lands where they're growing all this grain, they also put these fucking, these factories, these steel factories. So who knows, maybe like the fucking, whatever, the the, the, sh the chemicals and shit that were, that were being, that were in this factory probably flowed into the ground and fucked up all the crops. Again, I'm not an agriculturalist. So steel production was targeted to double the first year of the Great Leap Forward and Mao forecasts that the, the Chinese industrial output would exceed Britain's within 15 years. The backyard steel industry uh, produced largely useless, a low-quality pig iron. Existing metal equipment, tools, and household goods were confiscated and melted down to fuel additional production. <laughs> Due to the failures in planning and coordination, the resulting material shortages, which were common in central economic planning, the massive increase in industrial investment and uh, reallocation of resources resulted in no corresponding increase in manufacturing output. Millions of surplus laborers were removed from farms to make steel. Most were able-bodied mill workers, breaking up families and leaving the forced agricultural labor force to collective farms consisting of mostly women, children, and the elderly. An increase of popu urban popula populations place additional strain on food distribution systems and demand on collective farms to increase grain production and urban consumption. So basically all the dudes that were working in the farms are like, all right, well, you're no good here. So let's fucking take you to the steel farms. And all that were left were women, children, and the elderly that were doing the farms. Regardless, nothing got done. So this is a huge waste of five years. So in those five years, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Well, which is funny though, 
because. Oh, 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 so you think this is funny? Oh, wow. Oh, hilarious. What are you? It's hilarious. Wow. Which is funny, though. Like, you would think, like, all right, all this shit. All right, fuck this guy, right? Fuck Mao Zedong. But there's, like, all these fucking monuments and statues and all this shit representing Mao everywhere in China. Even though, clearly, he fucked up. Well, I mean, bro, like, he has the country in, under the palm of his hands. Like a King Jong-un, you know, he oh. fucking tells his people that he invented the cheeseburger and they believe him. He says he doesn't take shits. They believe him. Like, <laughs> this motherfucker said he invented the cheeseburger. They're like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Say otherwise. My God, would, would you do some shit like that if you were a dictator? Yes, but I wouldn't make Yo. something so <laughs> obvious that it's obviously not true. Like, there's older people that were there well, before I was in... In fu- you know when my father was in fucking rain and they probably had a cheeseburger <laughs> they fucking knew what a McDonald's was hey yo this motherfucker didn't make that shit y'all know yeah. dead see dead. the truth was never out there cause you get shot out if you did yeah well I think that's why they did all the monuments you know through fear was it out of respect maybe through fear yeah you yeah, remember how King Jamun he had people killed on the streets cause they weren't crying they were the, their cries wasn't oh, sad enough. When, when I think his dad died. His dad died, yeah. <laughs> Your neighbors were snitching. They're like, hey, this motherfucker didn't cry yesterday. Hey, I, I saw no tears yeah. rolling down their eyes. I, I heard None. laughing yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> the motherfuckers are laughing over here. Hey, you think they're like A class fucking actors over there? What? You know what? I'm pretty sure. Honestly. I'm pretty sure, dude. Right? Because I'm pretty sure they have to act. You have to be, and so like, just, if you're in the public eye, like, you gotta make sure that you play the part. You know what? Let's bring, let's bring some North Koreans over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, go, 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 go for it. Go, go, for go, it. go, go. It's go, gonna be like that, that that one episode in Seinfeld where Kramer has all those people from Japan go to his apartment and deliver in the big ass, this big ass fucking um yeah the cabinet, the big ass cabinet. It's gonna yeah. be Oxy's house. Yeah. A bunch of North Koreans living in cabinets. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to make a uh, uh, actor studio here. <laughs> yeah, we're not making shit, bro. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm going to call this the Great Leap Backward, bro. The Great Leap Backwards? Yeah, no, no, yeah. Because we're starting from the bottom. Now we're here? Yeah. Nice. Absolutely. Nice, 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 nice. These are two fucking assholes, bro. Who, who, who do you think was more of an asshole? The Butcher? The butcher wasn't an asshole. He didn't do shit. I don't know why he got the name of the butcher. I mean, he probably got the military experience and shit. Shit, he did on the battlefield. But he he just went and he just went in the office and said, "Oh, I'm and like this is I'm the captain now." I he's like, look at me. Look I'm at the me. Ca- I'm the captain look now. Me. That's all he did. And all he did was just fuck up his ops, the oppositions, mm-hmm. people that he thought were going to go up against him. That's all he did. He really. I mean, he fucked his up, own. I mean, he I mean he fucked up the economy, but you know, hey. politicians. That's what they do. That's, well, he That's also killed his the runner-up for prime minister. Well, well what's that mean? He only took, yeah. he only took out the, his opposition. <laughs> he didn't kill children or women or made people slaves and make fucking try to grow shit out of Chernobyl's fucking <laughs> fields where they built factories. <laughs> you know what I mean, he ain't telling people he invented the cheeseburger. And there's the a, fucking like, like cheeseburger, dude. You know. You invented the monster modes? The monster hey, you know what? That could be you. That was you? That was your thing. Why do you think it's called... Why do you think the monster starts with an M? 
for a fucking moron. <laughs> That's what it stands for. <laughs> oh, Man. gosh. Just like you stated earlier, the United States detonated two nuclear weapons over Japanese cities, over the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki on the 6th and 9th of August 1945. The two bombings killed between 129,000 and 226,000 people. Most, right, most who, who were civilians and remained the only use of nuclear weapons in armed conflict. Does this, ca does this count as, like, not just main impact, but, like, the prolonged Pulse effects. Yeah. I wonder how much was it, like, just instant. Oh, no. Like, it's... Haven't you seen the... Like, haven't you seen, like, the pictures and shit of the people that were in the direct hit of the thing? Their... Their shadows are imprinted on the cement. Oh, wait. Yeah, so this is the numbers Damn. for the instant... Instant bomb. That was it. That was... Yeah, but this is a combination death. of both. Oh, okay. From August so 6th bombing to the August 9th. Oh, okay. Of gotcha, the instant gotcha. bomb. Damn, yeah. dude. You There's a lot more. You haven't seen the picture of the, of the like the shadows on like steps or like this. Yeah, yeah. it's sad, dude. Yeah, There's someone on the steps. You just see the shadow of them. They're they're just chilling. Damn. Yeah. Their shadow. Yeah. Like it's not it's not it's not, it's not the shadow obviously. But it's just like, there, but it's like it's like it looks like a shadow. They're just dis they're there's the disintegration of their fucking their, every atom in their body. Dude. So in the final year of World War II, the Allies prepared for an invasion of the Japanese mainland. This was the undertaking preceded by a conventional and firebombing campaign that devastated 67 Japanese cities. By July 1945, the Allies, the Manhattan Project, had produced two types of atomic bombs. Do you know the names? No, I forgot. Do you know one of them? It's been a while. No. No? Do they have any nicknames? Yeah. Was one called Cake and the other one Ass? No. <laughs> No. Was it Little something? <laughs> little Boy. Yeah. And Fat Man. Yep. So the 509th composite group of the United States Air Force was trained and equipped with a specialized silver plate version of the Boeing B-29 Super uh, a super Fortress that carried these bombs. All right. So picture yourself. You're, you're the pilot. You're the pilot. You're like one fuck up. Could destroy the world. <laughs> this was the first mad girl. His wife, his wife dumped him two years ago while he's in the middle of the war. So I'm gonna drive to Virginia and kill these bitch. Fuck you, Margaret. Take out all of fucking Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, bro. That, that's so scary. But I'm pretty sure these motherfuckers were hyped. Well, yeah, they're fucking. Oh, well, yeah, World War Two. You know, these motherfuckers... Bro, these motherfuckers were so hyped coming out of war, they created biker gangs. Because <laughs> they had nothing to do after... They were just so strung out coming back from America. war that they fucking... They decided to tear down cars and make hot rods to race in the fucking fields to get a, a semblance of an adrenaline rush. And who's this? American soldiers. No, but what, what was the biker gang? Every biker gang was invented by ex-fucking <laughs> ex-military. These motherfuckers came back with a shitload of money. Fucking Indian fucking bikes are like worth like 35 cents and shit. These motherfuckers come back with like thousands of dollars. 
They're just buying bikes and fucking riding around. It's like the fucking... Like the warriors and shit, but instead of... On feet, they're on bikes. <laughs> like, that's how hot rods were invented. It's a bunch of these kids come back from the war. They have... They're bored as shit. They don't gotta go to work. They have all this money. They bought a house. They're fucking 22, but they're full-grown men. They have, like, nine kids. They're tired of their wife. So, they're like, they don't know. <laughs> the age of 22. So, they don't, so they don't have anything to fucking do. So, what do they do? They just hang out with dads do. They just go in a garage and start stripping cars. And they just made hot rods. And that's where the beginning of hot rods and hot rod races came, came to be. What? Just the fucking all these old young military people trying to get, like, their fucking fix of adrenaline. They just spit. They, they just they just nuked the fuck out of Japan. What Japan, right? Yeah. <laughs> they nuked the fuck out of Japan, and you expect them to go through that two weeks later, come back home and fucking chill on the farm in Arkansas? Yeah, just be normal. Like fuck that. I need like I need something to do. One of them's a dealer for Ford too. Imagine coming back and working an office job after that war. You spent two years blowing the fucking heads off of your enemies, and then you're fucking in an office. Environment and someone's fucking being passive aggressive. Like we were on the field. Like we were on the fucking field. I want to kill the fuck out of you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like the U.S. fucking was. Eh, they just fucking bomb them, right? It took they, time. they gave them an ultimatum, bro. They nicknamed the bombs. Yeah, well, <laughs> they gave it names. <laughs> they thought about this. <laughs> no, but it's not like they didn't give them a warning in that sense, where it's like, yo, I'm just gonna fucking bomb you. Yeah, you're right, but I promise. But you, know, <laughs> but you know the United States was like, I wish these motherfuckers would. I wish these motherfuckers Bring would. Read on me wrong out there. The U.S. was literally just like, I'm going to count to three. So, <laughs> pretty much. So the Allies <laughs> called for what's called the unconditional surrender of the Imperial Japanese Armed Forces in the Potsdam. In the Potsdam Declaration on July 26, July of 1945. The alternative being, and I quote, prompt and utter destruction. What did Japan do? No. <laughs> yeah. Ignored the ultimatum. They're no, like, no, like, fuck they're, that. They're like, yeah, okay. They're like, suck my dick. Two weeks later, boom. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And on August 6th, Little Boy was dropped on Hiroshima. Please, were they giving a heads up like, hey, we're doing it right now? No. No? It's just like, all right. Oh, wait, wait. Like, <laughs> that was a response. Wait, give Japan the heads up? Yeah. Uh, Why? The second they, they got the message... Like, no, fuck off. But imagine this okay, conversation go. as a DM. What'd they say? No. Yeah! <laughs> prep the little, prep the fat boy! Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure. Imagine this as a DM, Japan's like, no. <laughs> the US responds, all right. Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure that's what happened, because they had no idea what what, what it was. What, what, what the after effect was going to be. They just thought, yeah, it's fucking Prompt 15, thousand times bigger day. than TNT. Yeah. And But they, they weren't thinking... But they weren't. Did they, they say like, "Hey, we're gonna throw a bomb," or was it well, just like, "We're gonna, we're gonna fuck well, they didn't, shit up"? They didn't. Obviously, they're not gonna tell the opponent, "Hey, we're gonna drop a bomb on you." Hey, guys, well, y'all about to get bombed in. The- well, my brother is saying like the the United States, the army, they didn't, because this is the first time anything is anything like this is being used. Yeah. So they didn't really realize the aftermath, the after effects, what was yeah. gonna happen. They're after- trigger. They're trigger uh, happy. <laughs> trigger happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're uh, going, I mean, it was two weeks. It's not trigger happy. Well, well it took two weeks to prep. That they had that bomb. You think so? Oh my god! Bro, if you have, if you have, all right. If you have a, if you have a gun and you have a, you, you gave it a nickname. You're just waiting to use it. 
You sure these motherfuckers had a fat boy and what, fat man and little boy? <laughs> yeah. These motherfuckers were just waiting. They're like, fuck Hitler's dead. <laughs> Who else can we use it on? Uh, well, it's bad. <laughs> what happened? They're relentless. What happened first? The bombing that supposedly killed Hitler or or the bombing in Japan? Oh, Hitler died first. He, he, he took himself out in the bunker. Yeah. And then that's when we go to... So they say. Yeah. To the Pacific. Yeah, then the, we go to the Pacific. Conspiracy. Yeah, so again, on August 6th, Little Boy was dropped on Hiroshima. To which the Prime Minister, Suzuki... What he reiterated to the Japanese government commitment to ignore the Allies' demands and fight on. Damn, even after that, it's just like... Uh-huh, three days later, on. he was an American spy. United States like, little drop the shit! <laughs> <laughs> he just posted... <laughs> That's fucked up. But we, we want another one. We did not hire Nazi scientists to build this for nothing. Albert Einstein, no? Oh, he wasn't a Nazi scientist, but yeah, he was part of it. I think. I'm stupid. I don't know who was a part of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming Nazis were involved. Nazi we could, yeah, because we took out the Nazis before we took out, you know, <laughs> fucking Hiroshima, a court of Japan. <laughs> fucking the United States went to war with a city. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Basically, there was a reason why they did that. Yeah, because we had two bombs. Just, just on cue. <laughs> oh, shit. Someone's uh, like, why Hiroshima? Like, why Hiroshima? Because like, I had shitty food there. I had a bad experience there. Damn. He was that fucking petty? He was a one We were that fucking petty. That's how I am with the city. With the, with the state of Arkansas right now. Why? Just heart bro. Just, we don't need that. We don't need that we state. We don't need that state, bro. <laughs> we can take horrible. it away. How bad was it? Horrible. What was horrible about it? Does, like, I re- like, I'd rather go to Lancaster. Lancaster seems like paradise. Shut Whoa. the fuck up. Lancaster's shit. That's, those are some Thank big you. words. Some big words. Unless, like, like, you were raised and born in Lancaster, then that's your okay. I'm beefing it with Arkansas for life. Damn. If you have any Arkansinians listening, stop. Arkansas. Stop what? Just, just, just stop. All right, go on. T- try to try to try to convince us that this wasn't on purpose. No, I mean the, what? I'm not saying it wasn't done on purpose. No, no, I mean the, the Hiroshima that the United States didn't drop this. on like, there was there was nothing Japan could have done. I was gonna stop the United States. Well, if they would have surrendered, if, it, if they would have been like, yeah, all right, cool, cool, but they knew they were not gonna surrender. So we'll, right? we so left three off days late. Yeah, so three days later, Suzuki was like, now nah, we. we we yeah, keep fighting. Keep fighting on. Yeah, keep fighting. And three days later, Fat Man was dropped on Nagasaki. Also, oh, oh, so little boy. So was, we dropped it. So we dropped August six. So we dropped Hiroshima. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nagas- Suzuki said, "No, no, no, keep fighting, keep fighting." And we, then we dropped it on the Fat Man was the Nagas- stronger one. The the second yeah. one was Fat Man was uh, Atomic. Where it's like, yeah. why is Hiroshima oh. the most famous? Because it was the first one. Because the first one. Right, so three days later, Fat Man was dropped on Nagasaki. Over the next two to four months, the effects of the atomic bombings killed between 90,000 to 160,000 people in Hiroshima and 39,000 and 80,000 people in Nagasaki. So the bigger one killed the less people. I guess it was just a less populated place. 
like yeah because you said the little boy killed up to 90 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the fat man killed up to 35 60 80 80 are so Damn, how many people are mad right now everyone and no one is happy. yo this fucking class sucks <laughs> yo fuck this teacher teachers Cause we are. Nah, shut the fuck up. Just blame this guy. Oh, okay. There yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're the substitutes. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. teacher aides. We're the TAs. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're right. the messengers. You guys are aides. Hurry up. <laughs> Check it. Damn, he got us. So please tell fuck. me after the second one, Suzuki Japan was like. Continue. No, yeah, yeah. Suzuki yeah. <laughs> yeah. was like, all right. So at noon. <laughs> y'all look at Suzuki. Want us to keep fighting, you fuck? <laughs> you want us to keep going? He, he, uh, he became the Homer Simpson meme. He just like. <laughs> he started walking. He's like, I fucked up. We were fucked up. Suzuki was never seen again. I didn't think they'd have two of them. What <laughs> <laughs> the odds? We didn't think one was possible. You think two was a thing? What if that was his mindset? After the first one, he's like, all right, the worst is over. There's, there's obviously not two of them. <laughs> they didn't know they dropped the fly. I doubt they have a set. He's talking with Santa's each year. What is the, uh, how, how mad do you think his his uh what do you call it like no no they're like his 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 his, his people his military yeah, yeah, yeah. advisors and stuff it, there you go yeah no they these these guys were we fight to the death look at the kamikazes that's true that's true how much pride they have yeah. in their own right seppuku is a perfect example yeah yeah we're dying for honor yeah yeah, yeah. so honor is yeah Fuck. yeah and, and and that's the reason why we dropped this on them because we knew they were going to be so relentless mm. on giving up so well i'll talk about it in a bit but at noon on august 15th of 1945 emperor hirohito announced his country's surrender in a radio broadcast the news spread quickly, and victory in Japan celebrations broke out across the United States and other allied nations. The formal surrender agreement was signed on September 2nd aboard the U.S. battleship Missouri, anchored in Tokyo Bay. Bro, imagine someone bombs the fuck out of your country, you surrender, and then you gotta go into the submarine and sign a paper saying, I bitched out, I lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So for months afterward, many people continued to die from the effects of burns, radiation sickness, and injuries compounded by illness and malnutrition. Now, supporters of this action believe that the atomic bombings were necessary to bring a swift end to the war with minimal casualties. Supporters of the fucking U.S. Army. <laughs> Ex-military. <laughs> Critics dispute how the Japanese government was brought to surrender and highlight the moral and ethical implications of nuclear weapons and the death caused to civilians. So their mindset was like, hey, if we bomb them now, it's going to be the last casualties when we actually invade, invade Japan. The casualties are going to be a lot more if they don't, if, yeah, if we we don't don't drop this, if they don't surrender... Plus, we don't drop this. There's going to be a higher death count on both sides on both instead ends. of death count just on their side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, it was so bad, the lingering effects of these bombs. Like, that in spring. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the birth of a, 
Shin Gojira. Yeah. Gojira. Yeah. So in spring of 1948, the Atomic Bomb Casualty Commission, also known as ABCC, was established in accordance with a presidential directive from Truman to the National Academy of Sciences and the National Research Council to conduct investigations of the late effects of radiation among the survivors in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. This investigation and research was on brain development, birth defect investigations, and the increases of cancer. The president was like, look, it was necessary, but like, we gotta find, all right. We we might we might have gone a little too far, so let's get a couple people try to figure out what you know, what ha- what's going on now. <laughs> let's see how it's we been like a month, you know, because we killed you know we killed a couple hundred thousand people, but then you know, the bodies kept on dropping. It's been like two <laughs> months. Like, Yo, bro, bro, we we said we we're gonna stop, man, but these but the body count kept on going. You think, so they you made think the, the US ABCC. was like, you know what? I I didn't think it was gonna be that bad. Yeah, that's why they made the ABCC be like, Dude. I am so sorry. <laughs> I, we did, we, we, y'all should have surrendered. We but, didn't but, know. You know. We told you. I mean, damn. Told you. Yeah, so fuck. They, I, again, that was the only time in history that. A nuke was used. Yeah, we're fucking assholes. Bro. And now we have like over 20 something thousand nukes that are like fucking 80,000 times stronger than what we oh, dropped yeah, yeah. on. Oh, yeah. So, Everywhere. So, so well, I can't imagine. So, Russia has the most nuclear weapons out of everyone. Uh, they have more than us. Mm-hmm. It's only 6,000. We have a little less than 6,000. And then so we're pretty close. Yeah. But it doesn't matter who has the most because at, at 6,000, 5,000 nuclear fucking weapons you, you, you're gonna kill everybody thousand times over so yeah, like yeah. it doesn't matter yeah 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 so that's the yeah so russia so right now russia's beating us with nuclear and and according to them they have hypersonic missiles what the fuck is that hypersonic nuclear missiles which are missiles that could like they could shoot they're faster than the they're faster than uh a speed of speed of light or speed of sound no, it's speed, of, speed of light no bro. there's no way <laughs> <laughs> That's literally yeah. It. Well, speed it's fast. of sound. It's probably the speed of sound. Then. Okay. Yeah, and they are, and they could turn on a dime. Like it, before, it was just on a bomb. You set, you set a missile, and you just yeah. You, this oh, you one relocated. Yeah, this one you could just you could just move around. So there's no way you're gonna take it out. Oh, this fucking I doubt. This is some fucking Yandu shit, bro. Yeah, it, there's no way. No, they they set one off already. That's how we, yeah, that's how we know we have. That's how we know Russia has those supersonic missiles. Remember how they set one of the supersonic missiles off on uh, the main, off on um, the main capital of Ukraine. Oh, really? Yeah, they set one off. Yeah, Kiev, 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 whatever, Kiev, Kiev. Yeah, and we don't have that. I mean, we don't have it. Supposedly. Yeah, the governments, the United States, like we. <gasps> we don't know. They we don't have know. one of those. Oh, what are we gonna do? They have. We, have, <laughs> we, have, uh, we got Fat Boy back there again. <laughs> We got Obese Boy. We got Beast Boy. Obese. Oh, Obese right? Boy. Obese, right? We got fat. And she got fatter, so became obese. And then we got the big sister, the thick sister. <laughs> the little boy. We got Thickums. We got Thickums. Thickums. <laughs> so, 
So when we think of the Industrial Revolution, we think of that being the beginning of life as we know it today, right? Factories and warehouses filled with nothing but life-changing ideas. In fact, three of the most important inventions of that revolution revolutionized life as we know it. The steam engine, the spinning jenny, and the telegraph. Oh, the spinning jenny, I remember that. One of the things we don't really consider or really think about are the consequences of the Industrial Revolution. From the exploitation of the working class, the factory system, to the transfer of wealth and power to the West from the East. But one of the lesser talked about exploitations of the revolution was child labor. <laughs> and that's where my focus for this episode is gonna be it's going to solely lie on. Not the child labor, not the child labor itself, but the many deaths due to children working with machines up to 18 hours a day, six days a week. Who said this is a good idea? Nobody, nobody said it was a bad idea either. So <laughs> you know what? So if you're squeamish and don't want to hear about seven-year-olds being blown to bits or getting their heads smashed together in between machines, then I suggest you skip to the minute mark. <laughs> or just end it. End the episode. No, no, no. Keep giving us the All right. So we all know about the Industrial Revolution of the 1700s. When we started manufacturing textiles, iron, and steam engines, they were all the rage. So much so that they propelled us to a second industrial revolution about 80 years later. So what started off as a small cottage industry, they were now being replaced by huge machines and factories situated mainly in large towns and cities, which led to many poor workers to follow the work. So before the industrial revolution, people were building shit in their house. Yet someone who was building shoes in their, in house. their house, someone people who was building, you know, that's how there was. There were no cities. It was villages by village by village by village. Yeah. And then the industrial <clears throat> revolution came and they started building cities. And then cities had to work, so people moved away from the village into the city. So pay sucked so much dick that fathers were encouraged to bring in their children to work and make money. One scumbag set the record for bringing his four-year-old in 1830 as the youngest person recorded working at a mill. Doing what? Even though the average age of a child worker was 10. This guy had a four-year-old. He's like, we are making money, son. <laughs> what Damn. is this kid doing? Teaching him young. Bro, can he even talk? Who needs to talk if he can fucking lift? Bro? Can he walk? So with every one of those workers moving to the city, Landlords built these shitty makeshift homes for them. Many workers bringing their families with them and about two, three families sharing a room. Things got so crowded that even basements were being rented out. Basements that would often get flooded with a foot of dirty water during rainy season. And it's because of these conditions, inadequate housing, poor sanitation and dangerous working conditions that led to the death of many workers. This also meant that there were a number of children who ended up in the workhouses due to the death of one or both parents. So the workhouses where children with no parents were sent off to live. Because remember, family moved from the village to the city to work at a mill. 
the mill had a house where everybody could live in. Well, the parents died, and now these two little kids, who's going to take care of them? So the owners of the mill will grab the two little kids and send them off to a place called a workhouse. And these were owned by, quote-unquote, poor law guardians, which was basically just a foster home, foster home, but even, like, more fucked up. So these poor law guardians were then legally in charge of these children, and these workhouses had a batch apprenticeship. That's what it was called, a batch apprenticeship, which meant that they would rent out children to factory warehouse workers for a lower wage than an adult. So these houses with all these kids with no parents will make a deal with the warehouse, with the factory, saying, hey, you're paying an adult how many how many shillings? Five shillings a day? I'll give you five kids if you pay them two shillings a day. Cool. Perfect. So now they got more labor for cheap. And like, here you go. And it's uh, the, the foster, I guess, yeah. foster parents that were getting paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these children, they were literally sent to, they were sent in litters to different mills and factories all over Europe. From 1840 to 1865, over 200 children were shipped off aged from 19 to 14 years old from this one specific workhouse. So once these children got to their new home, the local mill owner would sign a contract with the workhouse, setting out the terms, and then the children would sign a contract with their new employer to stay under this mill under the batch apprenticeship until they were 20 fucking one. Damn. So these kids will come in at eight, nine, ten years old, sign a contract saying, I'm going to get paid two shillings, whatever, la, 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 until I am 21 years old and I won't leave. Until, or, I die. Until I die. Until dead. So Man. anyone under the age of 11 will, will get paid one shilling. And five pennies compared to seven shillings and two pennies to the adults. So you're not even getting paid. You're not even getting paid a quarter of what an adult is being paid. And you and if depending on your age, you could probably be doing the same work as an adult, but not getting. But you get paid a quarter, not even a quarter of what is of what that adult's making. Damn. So in 1883. A report came out that showed the major more the major majority of workers were children and young adults. So here's a small breakdown of this. Out of 3,800 male workers from a specific mill, out of almost 4,000, mm-hmm. 250 under 11. Damn. 1,200 were from between 11 and 16. 740. 17 to 21 years old 612 or from 22 to 26 and the numbers as they get older the numbers dwindle to where you get 168 or older than 37 but no younger we're older than 37 but capped off at 41 so out of 4,000 workers most of the workers 100 100 168 or 40 years old. A young blood. So now let's talk about the actual work that these children did. But I warn you, this next couple of minutes are going to be filled with graphic tellings of how children died working these goddamn jobs. So the very youngest children from the age of four worked as scavengers in the mills. 
the, the lowliest of the apprentices working the hardest and toughest jobs, collecting cotton from the floor underneath the machinery, cleaning up dust and oil, which meant that a lot of fucking small children suffered horrible injuries while crawling around the mill floors because the machines did not stop. So the kids, as they're making, as the machines are making fucking whatever they're making, there's dirt, crap on the floor, all the extra shit that the machine's not using. The little kids have to go underneath the fucking machines and just start grabbing shit as the machine is dropping it to keep a clean, a clean workspace for the adult working the machine. So, for example, like this is a machine that would make um, uh, like the spinning um, spinning Jenny, the spinning Jenny, right? So it was basically it was spin it would spin cotton, right? So all the excess cotton would lie would lie underneath the floor, right? But if because you're working it so much, the bottom it will fucking fill up and eventually, and if you don't clean it up, it would fucking it will clog up the machine. So little kids would have to go inside, get on their bellies, four or five years old, and get and go crawl underneath and pick up the fucking cotton. They have to be careful as to not lift up their heads because they lift up their heads. The heads will get caught into things and will squish and just pop their heads right off. Hell yeah. Fuck. that. Fingers, hands, and sometimes heads being crushed by the heavy moving parts. The workers on the machines were constantly running the machines as they were getting, as they were getting paid on how much they produced. So stopping the machines meant stopping the cash flow. You know, and it's all about the money, bro. So this meant that the scavengers had literal seconds to get underneath the machine, do what they had to do, and get the fuck out before it started up again. Here are some brutal examples of children being killed by working in these mills under horrible conditions. First one, John Allen. In 1832, John Allen, a young factory boy, was interviewed and claimed that the children work up to 18 hours a day. <laughs> By the end of the week, after being on their feet, they would obviously be tired. Although more accidents happened at the beginning of the day. John reported he had seen one kid who was working a wool get caught in the machine straps as he dozed off for a split second and was swallowed by the machine. They later found one arm in one place, one leg in another, as he was cut to bits. His whole body went in and was just mangled together. Joseph Fodden. Joseph Fodden was 13 and was the victim of an industrial accident in 1865. While he was sweeping under a mule, the large machine we've seen that used to spin cotton so he was under this mule and his head got caught between the roller beam and the carriage and his head was popped and he was instantly killed. Dang. James Marlin. James Marlin, 16, was killed trying to put on a strap of a drum of one of their shafts when he got tied up. The shaft was moving at 80 revolutions a minute, which means 80 spins. Mm -hmm. And even though it took about 30 seconds to get him loose, that's all it took. Both his arms and legs were broken in multiple places, and the accident happened on a Friday. But after two days of excruciating pain, he succumbed to his wounds and died early Sunday morning. Then we have one accident, which wasn't a rare occurrence, but which it was a rare occurrence, but it did happen. 
I'm talking about a boiler explosion. So the morning of March 1844 at Mason's Mill in Bradford, the 20 horsepower boiler of a steam engine, which had just been turned on, blew up, killing six children and injuring many others. One 15-year-old piercer, John Woolman, who had been warming himself in the boiler house, was found dead 30 yards from the furnace house, which was, that's how much force the steam had when the, how, when the boiler blew up. It boiled him to death instantly and shot him 30 yards away. John Wilman, his front teeth were gone, there was a deep gash on his face, and his whole appearance was disfigured from the explosion. He was carried away where his body was washed and laid down in a back room. James Booth Flaxington. He was 13 during the boiler explosion and was badly scalded. He was found under a pile of bricks crying out in pain. He was taken out and also moved with John where the doctor said there was no hope of recovery for him. Edward Hainsworth. He was found with his left leg broken and his right leg doubled up under him. That took me a while for me to figure out what the fuck that meant. His leg doubled up. So you know when you would fall, your leg your leg would bend underneath, underneath you. Right. Well, his leg was found being on his back from his thigh down. Then we have Abraham Mitchell. Was found badly was found badly scalded. Parts of his skin were hanging from his bones like tattered clothes. He was let go of his contract and was sent home as the rest of his injuries were not as severe. What? <laughs> How bad is bad? Hey, I mean, compared to that. <laughs> can you move your leg, son? Yeah, but my face is fucked up. But can you move <laughs> your leg? <laughs> yeah, all right, you're dismissed. Now you go Get home. the fuck out of here. Walk it off. Just take a Tylenol and you'll be back tomorrow. We'll go home. No pay, though. What? <laughs> Damn. Should have died. That would have been cheaper. Should have clocked in. Should have clocked <laughs> out from life. But you know, fuck. A girl named Garfit was found on her hands and knees, scalded, and still holding her breakfast can in her hands, crying. That's brutal. Fucking brutal. She too was sent home, as well as her brother Thomas was also scolded and taken to the infirmary. After the explosions, surgeons were assembled at the infirmary ready to use at every scale on examination. It turned out that Flaxington, the boy with no hope of recovery, had a compound fracture of the right thigh and was severely scolded over his whole body. Garfit, the girl that I just mentioned, had three wounds on the head and was also scolded on numerous parts of the body. Jonas Wilman, the boy that was burned so bad that his front teeth were melted, he had a compound fracture of the left leg and the limb was so fucking shattered that it was in Jonas's best interest to amputate the leg from the thigh down. Hainsworth, the boy with the broken legs, had two injuries on his head, scalded over the face, arms, neck, and right leg. By 7.30 p.m. of that night of the explosion, 
Flaxington, Garfit, and Wilman were dead. By midnight, Hainsworth died too. Mitchell, who was sent home, you know the kid who was sent home? He died at home, leaving only the girl alive. She was badly injured and needed to be taken care of for the rest of her life. At 13. Damn. So during the 1800s, injuries by machines were the largest cause of accidental deaths for workers aged between 11 and 15. Sure, they tried to mitigate this by passing laws like the Cotton Mills and Factories Act, which stated that no children under the age of 9 were to be employed, and children under the age of 16 could max only work 16 hours a day. Only. Only. But these laws were only useful if the male owners actually obeyed them. But when your main motivator is your bottom line and child labor is as disposable as it was cheap, every male owner unanimously yelled, fuck them kids and kept them working 18 hours a day, six days a week. So males, they had medical men they weren't doctors they weren't nurses but it was maybe a butcher who knew how to sew someone who was who, who battled someone and he healed you know someone who knows their way around basics basics right so as we learned a little while ago mills had medical men but the more cheap and the crooked mill owners were they did not want these men on their property because if someone got hurt they would need to report it the majority of their fucking workforce were children. So if a child got hurt, they would need to report it. And if they spoke to the kid, what happened? Oh, you know, I sorry I fell asleep. I've been awake for 19 hours On straight. the 17th hour, <laughs> you know, I kind of dozed off. <laughs> what? So what a lot of the shittier and fucking most horrible mill owners would do is every time a child would die, they would just take them, throw them in the back room, in the middle of the night, take the body out and bury it and say the kid ran away. Damn. Oh, yeah. And damn. So many of the children that came through the poor law system to work at the factories and mills worked long hours in the factory and would often be beaten with many injuries leading to death. These punishments were given out by overlookers whose main job was to keep the steady pace of work going. So it was like a fucking bitch-ass manager. Children would be beat or whipped until blood poured from their backs, bones were broken, or until the kid just passed out. Another form of punishment was hanging heavy weights on their bodies, or they were caged high up overlooking the factory floor. Damn. Young children were hit with the straps to make them work quicker. And if they were yawning and sluggish, they would be slam dunked head first into a water reserve. Wow. So if a six year old kid has been yawning because he's on he's on day four of he's on he's on, tw- on, on the thirteenth hour of his fourth day straight, they would pick him up from his feet and just dunk him in water. Wake up, Johnny! Up. Poor Timmy's, Johnny's, Bobby's. So mill owners, to save money, they would house all the children in one building. 
where sleeping arrangements were very basic. You slept on that corner and that's your bed sheet and that's your pillow. That's it. And the food was even more basic. A child worker described their main food as a thick and coarse cake for breakfast and supper. Like a little piece of cake. It was hard and it was just thick. <laughs> That's nutrition. With boiled water and milk what? given to them. What do you, boiled water? Do you dunk the whatever you want? If you want to drink the boiled <laughs> water, let it cool down for you to drink it. Go for it. You want to saga the freaking yeah. hard ass oh cake? Gosh. And that's breakfast and supper. Yep. You get two meals a day, bro. What was your lunch? Fucking smoke breaks or what? Yeah. Some cigarettes? Some, some hard fucking They picked coal? up hard liquor probably. For, di- for dinner was a potato pie, which is just in a potato. Yeah. <laughs> with a little piece of bacon in it. Oh, fuck. That's all they ate. It's baked potato. Bro, this was the diet of a child worker who got up at 5 a.m. and worked until 9 p.m. Six days a week. God. You think they're hitting keto? <laughs> Man, I, I don't know what the fuck to think about that. There were no food breaks, so the children had to eat while they worked. Oh, hell yeah. But- so that meant that their food, if they took it with them to work, whatever, was covered with dust <laughs> and dirt from all the bullshit <laughs> they were fucking cleaning. And there were instances where kids... You know, there were kids, they were in charge of an area, whatever they're doing it, whatever. Somehow they managed to clean it. It's time for them to fucking. Oh, I have enough. I have like maybe a minute for me to. For, for, you know, for me or whatever. The kids will grab the, the cake out of their hands, will blow the dirt off, <laughs> off of it. But it's during those instances where the overlookers is like, motherfucker, why aren't you working? And they start getting beat. Oh. Damn. So even. It didn't even matter they had their fucking food on time. But the mills and factories were seen as paradise compared to the dangerous coal mines many children went to work in. Children as young as four years old were doing shit adults that today would not be expected to do. Putters, this is what the position's called. Is which a child pushed a truck of coals along a dark and narrow mine. Sometimes, sometimes the mine would only be 16 inches high. Oh shit. So the kid would have to be on his belly and push the cart through that mine. And these little 16 inches like little mine shafts would be long stretches. It wouldn't be like three feet, four feet. In some cases, there was a one long 16 inch, 950 yard mine. Oh shit. Yards? Yards. So on their knees or on their bellies. Pushing on their bellies, pushing it. With little to protect them from the cuts, scrapes, aching muscles, and shitty lungs from inhaling all that coal dust. Nice uh, from five to nine. Not nine to five, five to nine. Yeah. Hurriers, this is another position, pulled heavy carts of coal with belts strapped around their waists. 
attached to a chain that was connected to the cart. And depending on the child's strength, one or more carts would be attached, to attached together, which what? could weigh over 500 pounds. So sometimes if there was a kid who was like 16, 17, and he was strong enough, he would have two carts on him. It was weighed 500 pounds. So he'd have a chain that was attached to his waist. That chain was attached to the first cart, and the second cart was attached to the first cart. And then they'd have two little kids in the back pushing as he's as, pulling. As he's pulling. Trappers were usually small children who would open and shut wooden doors to let air through the tunnels. So there would be tunnels on the walls where they would, because you know you needed to get air. So there'd be a little fucking kid in a tunnel, like fucking 20, 30 feet into like the fucking wall. And if someone needed hot or cold air, if oh we need cold air, the kid will open up the fucking door so cold air will get in. It closed, it closed, and he closed in, and that's his job. He'd stay there. I would love that job. Out of all the fucking jobs to choose from, I'll take this one. This was a one-man job. These kids would sit alone for hours with just a candle to keep them company. And mine workers usually started work around 2 a.m. and worked 18-hour days. What? 2 in the morning. You're up there from two to four, man. Which is not, and which is not a surprise when you think about it. That a huge, large majority of workers from this time died of lung cancer before the age of twenty-five. No, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> the one main concern that male owners did have with young children was that they had to be down in the dark pit at the start of a working day. It cannot leave until the shift had ended. So these kids were in there the whole day. And these mill owners were concerned. Not for their safety, not because the kids were in there, but because, like, these little motherfuckers are going to be sleeping. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to hear something, and then some, an explosion is going to happen because of these fucking kids. Because remember, you need hot and cold air to regulate inside of tour Because it's too much... I guess too much hot or gas or something builds up in there. It'll just pop because they have fucking, you know, they have the fucking candles. They have the light candles in oh, there. So they need ventilation for some of the fucking gases to get the fuck out. But if fucking Timmy's on work on day Achi, falling asleep. Achi's day five, our fucking. Thir- fucking Mimi. Our nine was passed out from all the gases deep inside. No one's waking him up and then explosion happens and Achi gets shot out through the tunnel. I'll be the first one out. <laughs> I'll be a rocket man. So these children, the one Achi wanted to be, never saw the light of day because they went into work at 2 a.m. Came out. Like, they came out at 9 a.m., 9 p.m. They never had any friends because you're just in the fucking tunnel the whole day. And in areas where coal mining was a thing, reports found that the, that these children they were cheerless, dull. <laughs> And vacant in their <laughs> eyes. These They're kids were dead inside. <laughs> just. <laughs> I can't smoke, smoke. No, hey, I Timmy. I can't smoke, bro. <laughs> oh, that, that's hey, fucking Timmy, how you sad. Doing? When, hey, do Tim? have, when do I have time to smoke, bro? Uh, I don't know, bro. On Sunday, you're, you're on oh, Sunday. I'm like, one day it don't work. All right. Hey, Timmy, how you doing? Fine. Horse ass voices, you from all the cigarette smoking. Good. 
On July 4th. Sounds like Froggy from fucking Little Rascals. Little Rascals, yeah. <laughs> on July 4th in 1838, 26 children aged between 7 and 17. Why are you laughing? I don't know. We're killed in a mining accident. <laughs> what? That's funny? That's funny to you now, Moses? Comedian. I'm just laughing. Comedian ah, over here. Shit. You, you laugh before finishing the sentence. Like, the fuck? Torrential, dr- torrential rain during a storm <laughs> had flooded the neighboring mine as, it was, oh. as its pumping engine broke due to all the excess water. So the workers could not get to the surface as the water was coming down so fast that they had to be sent along a passage to another pit, another mine, where they met up with that pit's miners. So both mines, both both miners, both groups, whatever, they were locked, they were trapped in due to the excess water because the engine that would lift them, that would go up and that would help them lift them up and lift them down fucked up. was flooded. It wasn't working. So both sides of the both sides of the mine were being flooded. The guys were in the center of both mines trying to figure out what the fuck they were gonna do. Tw- there were 29 children down there. And they were all scared and they were all starting to freak out. The adults were just like, shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up. Shut up. So the kids freaked out and they decided they would all try and leave through the day hole. Which is an entrance, which was an entrance that used to be used to transport horses into the mine. Which was a climb of 950 yards. A climb. Climb. But the kids were small. So they would fuck it. They'd be able to do it. The kids made their way to the top, but as they opened the entrance door, they didn't realize that the nearby brook, the nearby like a like little hole of water was raised over 10 feet its normal level and as soon as they opened the entrance door the bank flowed through the open door and onto the children washing them down creating Even a fucking creating a waterfall oh. in that entrance Damn. only three children were pulled from the waterfalls they were falling only, they were only grabbed three children everyone else as they all and the rest of them came crashing down 26 children were swept along by the torrent and they were smashed against it, killing them instantly. So although child employment did not start with the Industrial Revolution, it did become a very cheap source of labor. As the economy grew, factory managers saw children as an easy way to make shitloads of profit with very little downside outside of them dying. Parents with large families, often those living close to poverty, loved the idea of sending their little ones out to go work to support the family. Parents had no reservations about placing children into jobs that were dangerous, injurious to health, and often resulted in death, with employers viewing children as nothing more as subservient and disposable. That we're gonna end class today. Class of myth. Yeah, bro. So these mill workers—they're on that 
fuck them kids train, bro. Yeah, pretty fucking hard, too. Damn. Some long-ass fucking days with some horrible, horrible sleeping and... And the kids, like... And, like, what the, what the fuck were the kids going to do? <coughs> they can't run away. Where to? Their parents are dead. Yeah. Like, they can't fucking go into the guy. I guess I'll stay here until I'm 20 fucking... If I live that life, lung cancer doesn't take me out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there were so many... Fuck, there were so many more stories and freak accidents in, in the mines. Oh, I, and, I bet, I bet. And just a bunch All the of fucking shit. stories. Yeah, like, like, there was one that wasn't, like, an instant where, like, those... The, that huge 16-inch mine, like, the, that little mine or whatever, mm-hmm. they would have, like, five kids going there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and there'd be, like, little rest stops where another where the kid would go up to there and he'd stop. And there'd be another kid just ch- chilling, waiting for them there. And then that kid will take that cart to the next stop. On the other, and that's how they'd go or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I was thinking, like, so were the kids in the middle of the mine? Is that just their job? They're just staying there? Waiting in those in those fucking pit stops, pit stops. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like all right, time time to do something. And you just pull it. Yeah, yeah. Like fuck, that's fucked up. I mean, that's probably one of the easier jobs. Maybe since you're not. They're all it. fucked. Imagine <laughs> sixteen inches, bro. That's this monitor is twenty seven. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so none of us are fading through there. That's so bad. <laughs> over my classroom we have like little storage areas for all the instruments and stuff and I remember one time I took all of them out so I cleaned through all of them because I'm pretty sure they haven't gotten clean and there was one where it holds our clarinets and as I was wiggling through I was freaking out because for a bit I actually got stuck in the oh. fucking storage room and I was just there just fucking like fuck and then like every, it, it was so tight that when you when I was breathing me breathing made it tighter. Made it tighter. So I literally had to like exhale all of my air, hold it, and then wiggle myself out. Oh my god! Just to fucking get out. And then that's bigger than sixteen inches. So the book I use as my source is called "Childhood and Death." Yep. In Victorian England. So that's all this. That's all this book talks about. Kids dying, right? So this book is a huge fuck them kids. And in it, there's a section of how. You, have you guys heard of lock of of lock latchkey kids? No, no. It was a huge thing in the 80s, 70s, whatever. And it's kind of what strange things is. Latchkey kids are parents who would just open the latchkey of the front door, tell the kids, "Go fuck off, fuck go off. play, and don't come back until dinner." All right, those are called the latchkey kids because right. the parents would just open the latchkey and go fuck off. Bam. Right. So that was that generation back in the Victorian England. How a bunch of little kids were fucking dying, like they're, they're accidental. So many, so many accidental deaths because of just things that you just wouldn't like put two and two together. Like for example, like there was this one little kid. His mom's like, "I'm gonna go to the store. I'll be right back." She had a nine-year-old, four-year-old, and a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. The mom's in the. I'll be right back. Not even five minutes later, the nine-year-old. Is at the store telling the mom, "Hey, the apartment's on fire, and our youngest si- my, and my youngest sisters are on fire." The mom's like, "What the fuck?" She goes in. F- she goes in. She finds the f- five-year-old running around on fire, 
because she got too close to a, like an open um like an open flame like a like a little Fire lamp pit? like a little lamp oh shit and she just got too close and they got too close to her fucking dress uh-huh. and she freaked out and the dress was made out of this flammable shit right. and she was running around the apartment just lighting the apartment up on fire Damn. and the nine-year-old she's the nine-year-old's like i can't like i'm not gonna they live high on top of the apartment i'm not gonna be able to run fast enough so she grabbed the two-year-old and stuffed her in a closet like in a like in a cabinet Bro. So she so she'd be safe. Stuffed her in the closet, closed it. She went and she went and go get the, the lady who owned the apartment. Uh-huh. The lady's like, "Go tell your mother," and close the door on her. She's like, "The apartment's on fire. My sister's on fire." The lady's like, "Go tell your mom," <laughs> and she closed the door. They went, came back. They they couldn't find. There was too much smoke. The, the five year old was just running around. Yeah. She passed out. She fucking died or whatever. Okay. And the. The husband of the lady who's the husband of the lady who's like, oh, go tell your mom, whatever. Yeah. He rushed in and he's like, and they're like, my do- one one of my daughters is still in there. And he's like, where? The little girl's like, oh, here, whatever. And he goes in and he hears crying and he fucking gets the little girl yeah. and takes her out. Yeah. And he goes and tells his wife, like, what the fuck is your problem? Why didn't you help them? And she's like, they're not my kids. Huh. <laughs> she's like, they're not mine. That ain't my problem. Yeah. Damn. For real, fuck them kids. She was on them fucking kids. She had no kids. She, hopefully, I mean, if she did, they're gone. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but yeah, man, t- today's episode was cool. I I got really lost in your whole Hiroshima like segment. Like that, that's, I've always been so fascinated in that. Yeah, how short but impactful that. Yeah, like. Yeah. You know, you, you know the, the U.S. was going to drop the regard. That, that, that was really a careful you fuck with segment. Yeah. Yeah. Because it will fuck you real hard. Damn, man. You're, you made me sad, dude. What the fuck? Good. <laughs> you got the fuck. point. Yeah. Now I know why they don't talk about this in high school. Hiroshima doesn't sound that bad now, dude. <laughs> fuck. You know what? You'd rather take your chance with the fat boy than a fucking mine? <laughs> At least I'm out quick. Are you? With Hiroshima? Yeah. Nah. I mean, you have to be in the blast radius. I ain't trying to be the guys that are like half a mile away from the blast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you're going to have a yeah, I ain't painful to, death. Yeah, I ain't trying to go like a fourth nipple or something. <laughs> That's what you're worried about. <laughs> the fourth nipple. Bro. The fourth nipple. <laughs> Alright, guys. So, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope... My brother didn't bum you out, bum you guys out too much. <laughs> I, me, you uh, fuck. So if you guys don't have anything else to add, uh, thank you guys. And as always, wait, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh. All right. On a, on a different topic, uh, Moses Band Jackknife just released a music video. Oh, all right. In collaboration uh, with. Monk, right? Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. So, all right. I was, all right. Well, thank you for bringing it up. Uh, so, for those of you that do not know, I am in a hardcore punk band. I play. I I played the. I put one of our songs on one the end of one of our episodes for the song called Rosecrans, and it's a street boulevard here that where we all grew up around, and uh, we we recorded a music video. Uh, the the song was actually recorded with Archie here on drums. So if you go watch, so if you hear the so if you hear the song that's. Archie playing drums, me playing guitar, and our buddy Chris as a singer. So we recorded a music video. Archie, had, you know, he parted ways because he needed to focus on his studies. 
but he still shows up. Um, see if you guys, so if you guys want, go to YouTube, go to type in Jackknife Rosecrans, and we have a collaboration music video with one of our buddies who's into hip hop, and his name is Hudlum Monk. So the first half, it's like a minute and a half of one of his songs, mm-hmm. and then it's the Rosecrans song. And um, yeah, so if you guys can, my brother comes on the music video as well. Um, mm-hmm. So if you guys remember what the fuck we look like, try to see if you guys can find us. Well, obviously you're gonna find me. But see if you could spot them in the music video. Um, if you guys want, go to YouTube, jackknife.com. Um, go to YouTube.com, go to jackknife Rosecrans, or you could just go to the episode show notes and I'll link the video through there. there. Um, but if you guys don't have anything else to add. That's it. That's all I got. We are the Weird History Eerie Tales Pod. Fuck them kids part three. <laughs>